0: Danny. We uh we're back, and this is our first time actually recording in the new year. And I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is Fried Squirms. And we decided once again not to go like too off the rails with you guys and are going to be talking about the faculty today. But I think before we go back to high school, that was a long time ago. We're gonna have to get stoned if we're gonna get back into the hallways of education. No kidding. Because I can't handle that shit anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. So for our green hits today, what did you bring me to start off? Well, actually, you know what? I'll start off because I've brought this before. Cool. So fuck it. It was another kind of boring just go grab something day. So you ended up with some headband from Flower again. A little local. Headband is bred from OG Kush and Sour Diesel tends to be a little bit more on the peppery side more than anything you got a little bit of herbal in there a little bit of citrus in there but yeah this one's testing in like 27.8 percent so it should be a good time the thing about headband is it tends to come on slower than most other sativa dominant strains and so it can kind of catch you off guard sometimes but
1: hey i'm up for the challenge Mm -hmm. hell yeah well, this week I did bring over some sourdog from a dispensary I don't go to very often on occasion, but this one is from Home Tree. And making a long story short, this particular strain, it is a hybrid of tray dog and sour diesel strains. So mm. the taste on it, you're gonna get some sour citrus and pine notes, and the smell it has a dampy earth and petrol smell. It says that it pairs well with. Being out in nature, if you want to go out and socialize, walking in the city, etc. The effects, you're going to feel energetic, giggly, and tingly. This one comes in right at 25.96%. So just say
0: 26%. I'm not sure how much nature I'm going to be getting into in this room here, but I think I'm definitely going to spark this up. And we can probably get into the guts and bolts of Robert Rodriguez's The Faculty that makes me happy to say you guys probably heard me mention it before. I fucking love me some Bob rods, So let's smoke up and uh, get on guts and bolts. All right, we're getting high. It's time to talk about who and what went into the faculty behind the scenes in front of the camera. Start everybody off with spoiler free setup for the movie. I'm trying to remember how much was shown in the trailers, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually watched the trailer, too, so... I kind of meant to do that before we started this episode, and then I just didn't. All right, post-Scream Breakfast Club versus Aliens.
1: I mean, essentially. And we'll, of course, talk about all the different films that this was influenced by as well as we go through it, but I think that's a good brief setup of what this film's about.
0: Yeah. Post-Scream Breakfast Club versus Aliens.
1: There you go, dude. (laughs) What more do you want?
0: I just won't be specific about the Aliens yet.
1: Exactly. And like I said, we'll get into all those details. So hold on tight. Mm -hmm. All right. You've already mentioned we do talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses who star in front of the camera. And you've already mentioned our director. And he's actually the editor on this film as well. Now I did see he's known for like writing and like hands on deck pretty much on a lot of his
0: films. Robert Rodriguez, one of the things he's known as, is the one-man film crew. Now, he wasn't originally supposed to direct this, or else he probably actually would have had a hand in more of it. I have a feeling he probably would have insisted on having a hand in helping, like, write some of the script, and probably do some of the music, but he was kind of brought in later when, God, was it... Williamson was going to direct? Yeah,
1: Yeah, this was supposed to be his debut, but... Oh, shit, but he was doing
0: Teaching Mrs. Tingle? Right, exactly.
1: And then Bob got it instead, so...
0: Yeah. When this would have dropped on DVD, you wouldn't have been able to tell by going and looking at the extras because it didn't get dropped till like, a long time later and didn't have all the extras he normally has. You check out his other shit, and you see, like, his setup at his house. His house is set up for him to do everything. That's awesome. Like, you go through the door, and you're in, like his music editing room and Damn. like his like production studio. And that's like, awesome,
1: man. That's the dream right there. Yeah.
0: He just walks through these different sections of his house and he's like, now I'm working on like Damn. editing the movie. Now I'm going to go awesome. here and cut the soundtrack for the movie. Dude. Now I'm going to go over here and collaborate with all my writers on the movie. And now I'm going to go record a 10 minute cooking school to show you how to cook something <laughs> because you have to keep yourself fueled when you're making a movie.
1: Hey man, like I said, that's living the fucking dream, dude.
0: Yeah, good on him, man. He's been one of my favorites since forever. Probably best known for the Mariachi trilogy, which is where he really picked up that one-man film crew title because El Mariachi was made for like $7,500. Crazy, dude. Because he did most of it himself. Yeah, $2
1: million at the box office, yeah.
0: But then you also have like Sin City, Spy Kids, Shark Love Girl 3D, Alita Battle Angel, shit like that, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, some really cool stuff. And he's one of those guys, too. We talked about a little bit with Takashi Miike, where, you know, he's not known just for horror. He does kid stuff and other genre style films as well.
0: Uh, yeah, you can usually see, like, his influences in everything he does. But he has no problem just pulling it back and doing kid shit. Like,
1: Yeah, and that's awesome. Like I said, uh, you've already mentioned the Spy Kids movies, and those were mm-hmm. huge, dude. So good on him. All right. So we have a couple of different writers on the film. You've already mentioned one of them. I'll get back to him in a second. But we have David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel. And David Wechter, he's actually done a couple of cool projects. He wrote an episode for Charles in Charge back in 1987. That episode is American Teen. And he's also known for, I guess, one of the lead writers on Penn and Teller's bullshit television series. Yeah, I said he's responsible for 40 episodes. So pretty awesome, dude. And Bruce Kimmel, a few other things of note from him. He did a couple of uh, TV movies. They were called Likely Stories Volumes 2 and 4. All right. And the big writer on this, uh, the screenplay, the story actually, is written by Kevin Williamson, a guy we've talked about several times mm-hmm. before, mainly because of Scream. And I know what you did last summer. We've also mentioned that he was, I believe, the creator on the creek. Right. <laughs> and that's Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't last a minute on the creek. Jeez, man, jeez. Yeah, you've already mentioned he directed "Teaching Mrs. Tingle," and he's also known for a film I kind of want to watch. I think I've seen it kind of passively, but the movie "Cursed." I feel like I have
0: to rewatch "Teaching Mrs. Tingle." As soon as I saw that come back up again, yeah. I didn't remember the movie that well myself. I remember the trailers for it though being, yeah, like pretty engaging.
1: Yeah, the time period that a lot of these films came out—like I was literally in high school. So, yeah, (laughs) very familiar with all that stuff. But like I said, we've talked about Kevin Williamson at length. If you're interested in more of his filmography and what have you, you can check out some of those previous episodes we've done. All right, we have Mm -hmm. cinematographer Enrique Shadiak, and this gentleman's got some really cool films to note. So if you look through some of his filmography, he's done such films as Down in the Valley back in 2005. He's known for 28 Weeks Later. 2007 yeah he did 2010's repo men he also was responsible for danny boyle's 127 hours europa report red part two more recently a film and post productions voyagers and bumblebee back in 2018 deep water horizon yeah so some really cool films some television as well so yeah it's cool seeing him on this film Music was composed by Marco Beltrami, and this guy's got some really cool fucking films to know as well. So he's known for being in a number of genres. Of course, horror being a big one, and when you look at the filmography, it includes Mimic, Resident Evil, The Woman in scream? Black. Yeah, A Quiet Place, Terminator Part Three, Rise of the Machines, Live Free or Die Hard, World War Z, iRobot and Snowpiercer, 310 to Yuma, Jonah Hex, The Homesman, and superhero films like Hellboy, The Wolverine, and Logan. So I'm like, wow,
0: dude. So he did a great job with the score, and he does a good job across the board with scores. I think we should also mention the soundtrack for this real oh, quick, man. just right off because this who's is one, who? Yeah, because this is one of those ones that was kind of iconic for the time period. Good point. Especially because of one certain group that shows up on this. <laughs> First off, like this is '98, so. The fact that you have Offspring showing up is huge. Soul Asylum, Stabbing Westward, Garbage, Cheryl Crow, Oasis, Sean Mullins. You have, if this is 98, this is early Creed covering Dude, it Alice super
1: Cooper's is. I was actually talking to Jeff about that before I came over here. Blew my mind.
0: Super early Creed. But the big thing <laughs> was the faculty music from the Dimension Motion Picture had the Class of 99 cover of Another Brick in the Wall, originally from Pink Floyd. Class of 99 was a supergroup consisting of Lane Staley from Alice in Chains on vocals, right before we pretty much lost the rest of his career to heroin.
1: Yep,
0: sad. Tom Morello's from Rage Against the Machine on lead guitar. Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction on drums. Martin Lenoble of Porno for Pyros as bass. And what is... Does he do anything special? Matt Serletic on keyboards. Okay, cool. Um, He's a record producer and music executive, mostly. Um... He's worked with a number of bands, such as Matchbox 20, Blessed Union of Souls, Edwin McCain, okay. um, Rob Thomas, Taylor Hicks. Gotcha. Some, like, poppy stuff, mm-hmm. essentially. And that's I think cool. he has been in a band with some of the members of Collective Soul before. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty decent super group, man. If you look at the members involved, that's awesome.
0: Also, I think... The first time that song was allowed to be covered on like a soundtrack or something because, you know, people are making money off it and shit like Pink Floyd were, especially this early on, pretty touchy about what they let their music end up on. Yeah.
1: And that's quite understandable, especially if you follow a couple of the band members, specifically Roger Waters, very outspoken activist. So, I mean, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, the soundtrack does stand out for sure. All right, so moving ahead, we have producer Elizabeth Avion. We have production companies Dimension Films and Los Hooligans Productions. The distributor for this, Tyler, do you remember who this was?
0: Oh, yeah, it's Miramax. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, it's a fucking Bob Rod movie from the 90s. It's Miramax. There you go.
1: <laughs> so, of course, they helped with the 1998 Worldwide, and this was for all media. The release date, it was released on December 25th, 1998, here in the United States. It had an estimated budget of about $15 million. It made $40.3 million here in the States and worldwide $63.2 million. And, I
0: would have guessed it did more than that, but it was rated R, wasn't it? So Yeah, that's okay. something we
1: talked about last week as well. Mm-hmm. All right. I have two taglines for this film. There are several, but these are the two that jumped out to me. The first one I have is, Take Me to Your Teacher.
0: I really like that. That's actually really fun.
1: And the second one was, And You Thought Your Teachers Were Weird. Yeah, okay. They both make sense. Yeah. Take Me to Your Teacher sounds like it also could be an erotic film on Skinamax in the 90s.
0: (laughs) I like this on the very bottom of the poster here, the, On December 25th, School's Out Forever. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, they also
1: use Mr. Cooper in the Mm -hmm. soundtrack, so it makes sense. Creed. (laughs) All right, man. So we've talked about this off air before we got into this section because there's so many people in the cast. We'd be literally here for probably an hour, somewhere around there, just talking about people.
0: At most, we're going to mention like two movies next to people.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least two that jump out to us. All right. So I'm going to lead off. Do it the way it's set up on Wikipedia. So. First person you have in the cast, she's actually making her film debut in this film. And I'm talking about Jordana Brewster. She plays the role of Delilah Prophet. And immediately, I already start thinking of the fucking Fast and Furious movies. Maria, Mia Toretto. There you go.
0: So um, The other big thing I would say would probably be... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. That was
1: the other one. All right. Next, we have Clea Duvall. She plays Stokely Stokes Mitchell in the film.
0: she ended up in carnival right
1: dude yeah i was like how many times have i brought up that show on here but she was one of the main characters and she was awesome on that show a few films of note she wasn't she's all that a film i recommend to a lot of people who like kind of dark comedies dark humor is but i'm a cheerleader Mm. that's a good film girl interrupted
0: she's all that but i'm a cheerleader and girl interrupted are all 99 like that was a huge year for that's fucking crazy (laughs) She was
1: in Argo and Zodiac. That's pretty awesome.
0: Argo, fuck yourself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And uh, more recently, she was Sylvia in The Handmaid's Tale. All right, we have Laura Harris. She plays Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. She's the new girl in the film. Although she's not new to films. Let's put it that way. So it's not confusing.
0: Suicide Kings?
1: Dude, I'm surprised you didn't say this. She was Grim Reaper Daisy Adair in Dead Like Me. Oh,
0: fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting there. That's awesome. there. Of course she's Daisy.
1: She was also Marie Warner in the spy drama television series 24. But it says that her film career dates back to 1990 when she appeared in Stephen King's It. The first part of it.
0: She's just like a background kid?
1: Yeah. Her character's name is Lonnie, I think it said. Okay. It's like, oh, I couldn't tell you who that was. Another thing of note, she was in A Mighty Wind. I was about to say that. That That's pretty awesome. In Underworld, Endless Wars where it looks like she voiced a character of Celine. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah. Endless War, I think, is the animated one. Yeah, animated. Okay. Oh, she did Celine's voice, huh? I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah,
1: I guess if anybody feels neglected that I didn't mention this, but if you were a Defying Gravity fan, <laughs> she was not that for uh, 13 episodes, so that's cool. All right, we have some big hitters now. Josh Hartnett, Zeke Tyler in the film.
0: Lucky number seven. Yes. Penny dreadful, dude. Of course. That was
1: dude, he killed it in that.
0: This is his second role after H2O.
1: You know what else I like him in is 40 Days and 40 Nights.
0: Oh yeah, that was actually That's a good that's comedy. Fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Teen Heartthrob for those who grew up in the same time period we did. And uh yeah, he's been in some really cool stuff, man. Black Dahlia is another one that jumps out, 30 Days of Night, great film. Should mention that one too. All right. We'd be here all day. We could probably do a podcast dedicated to this guy. Not the next guy in order. I want to go ahead and jump.
0: Okay. I want to go ahead.
1: And, no, no. I want to go ahead and jump to the big one. I'm surprised they listened to him this far back. I want to talk about Elijah Wood. Come on, man.
0: Yeah. The Sin City's Elijah Wood. Yeah.
1: Sin City and probably Frodo Baggins for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Everything is Illuminated. Oh, dude. Great movie. He was in the remake of a film we've actually reviewed, Maniac.
0: That's right. Ooh,
1: so good. He's also a part of that production team that put out Mandy and, and uh, all those films. Color Yep, exactly.
0: I think that company's doing all of those Stanley HPL.
1: Dude, nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, another one I know you like, I'm sure you like, is Green Street Hooligans. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That movie's great. Yeah, but like I said, well-known for voicing characters. He was on uh, Wilfred as well, television mm-hmm. series. So, I mean, he's got his hands on all kinds of stuff. Goes back to The Good Son as well, if you want to go way back. North. Yeah. that I mean, some really good films as a kid actor too, so... He's still killing it. Let's put it that way. Okay. So getting back to the order. <laughs> uh, no disservice to this guy, but I hope I'm saying his last name right, but it's Sean Hattesey. I don't know. Alpha Dog? He plays Stan Rosada in this film, but yeah. Actually, a film I really enjoy, I think it gets overlooked a lot, is Outside Providence. That's mm. a really, really good film, dude. Not gonna lie. Some people might know him as Andy Pope Cody in TNT's Animal Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. It's also been in Southland, another TNT show. So, yeah, it's kind of cool seeing some stuff like that. Yeah, Alpha Dog's a good film, too. All right, let's see. We have, I guess, going into The Teachers.
0: Uh, Satanico Pandemonium.
1: Dude, yes, yes. Selma Hayek.
0: Selma Hayek. <laughs> <laughs>
1: South Park, Selma Hayek. <laughs> Man, where do you start? Where do you end? Desperados and stuff like that. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Dogma.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, come on. Dogma would have been the year before this. That's awesome, man. She would have went from that to this, so.
1: Yeah, she did a couple of Adam Sandler films, too, which is kind of mm-hmm. neat. The grown-up films and stuff like that. So, yeah, she's been all over the map, too. Everybody should know who she is by now. Famke? Yeah, Phew. another babe. Jean Grey, X-Men films, Phoenix, Hemlock Grove. television series.
0: Xenia on a Top and Goldeneye. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <sighs> Dude, we could be here all that. Piper Laurie.
1: Oh, my gosh. Actually, what helps us is we've talked about her not too long ago when we did Carrie, right? So there's Carrie and another one for television show fans. We talked about her because she was in Twin Peaks as well. She played multiple roles. (laughs) But that's basically where I recognize her from for two roles.
0: Christopher McDonald.
1: Dude, Shooter Gavins.
0: Shooter McGavin ward cleaver in the 1997 yeah Leant to beaver that's a
1: really good film that is actually a really damn good film <laughs> hell yeah dude uh let me take a look at him really quick see if anything else jumps out oh shit he was requiem for a dream damn mm. hell yeah oh fanboys hell yeah that movie's good too oh
0: yeah fanboys is great bb Earth. Ooh, bb
1: cheers and yes. frazier
0: that's gonna be rhino from too <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go yeah Let's see who we got next. Uh,
0: Robert Patrick.
1: All right. Terminator 2, T-1000. Actually, I I know him because, dude, I was a huge X-Files fan during this time period. Uh, Daggett. Yeah. So he replaced Fox Mulder, David Duchovny, because I guess he went off to do whatever he was doing at the time. Gillian Anderson and both of them left. They brought in two other detectives at that time period.
0: And B.B. Newworth's character was originally going to be played by Gillian Anderson.
1: I, I did see that. That's pretty awesome. And it makes sense when you look at who's in this shit. Ariya. <laughs> right, yeah. sure, sure. Oh, yeah. U-S-H-E-R.
0: <laughs> Usher Raymond.
1: Yeah, dude. Hip-hop, R&B.
0: Uh, she's all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, this was the time period where there was a lot of that crossover from hip-hop R&B artists going into acting, television shows, and whatnot. So, yeah, this is a time period you see a lot of crossover stuff.
0: I love She's all that because when they get to the prom... You find out that there's been a subplot this entire movie where in the background, Usher Raymond has been going around to all of his classmates and teaching them a synchronized dance just because he's DJing the prom. And so that way they all dance. Mm -hmm. They have a synchronized dance for their prom and it makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, look who it is, man.
0: He's like, all right, now just like I taught you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: dude, this is it's pretty awesome seeing, you know not that he's in it very long and even though he's on the poster we've already mentioned that it's still cool seeing him in this
0: john stewart oh man john stewart as
1: professor edward for long i thought that was so awesome
0: <laughs> so
1: awesome all right two things only i am going to say if you don't know the john stewart show <laughs> comedy central but the daily show come uh, on, i always think of him in a half-baked
0: yeah half-baked <laughs> of course <laughs> I think he had some sort of overall deal with Miramax during this time period where they were basically just trying to put him in every movie they could. You know, he had some sort of deal where, like, they were going to put him in, like, four movies or something like that. I don't know. but Because yeah, he dude. almost ended up in bigger roles, because I guess he does show up in Jansom Bob Strike Back. But, yep, yep, yep. Um, he sure does. In I think he was... Going to be in Chasing Amy and Uh Mallrats. He was shortlisted for roles in both of those. Oh, it wouldn't have been Mallrats because Mallrats was through Universal. Okay. Chasing Amy, I think he might have been the studio's choice for Jason Lee's character.
1: Huh. That's interesting. All right. Let's see here. Some of these people are background characters. Not Daniel Von Bargen, though. No, no, no. I'm just looking through like some of these other people in the film.
0: Because I had completely forgot that fucking Chief Grady from Super Troopers was in this.
1: That is so wild. It's so awesome. <laughs> Malcolm in the Middle. That's another mm-hmm. one, too.
0: Yeah. And Mr. Kruger on Seinfeld. Dude's got such a good voice, by the way. He
1: does. There's one scene in particular. Well, of course, we'll get to it later on. But his facial expressions are good, too.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So out of these background characters, how many do we want to bring up? One for sure. We can't skip over the one one who turned out to be a giant piece of shit, but also got huge.
1: There's, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to say four people for me. Okay. So I'll go ahead and mention the first one. Summer Phoenix, sister of River and Joaquin Phoenix. She was married to Casey Affleck. John Abrahams. That's another dude I wanted to mention. Okay. They play a couple in this film. Yes. Okay. John Abrahams, scary movie. Plays the boyfriend of Cindy, Anna Ferris's character.
0: Right. And meet the parents. Dude, he is I was like, what the hell is he doing in this
1: movie? All right. The POS we were talking about. Danny Masterson. Right. Scientology. I'm going to go ahead and say that. It's the biggest That's culprit.
0: Helping fucking cover up his shit. Yeah.
1: Fuck that. But, you know, can't help but thinking of him as Stephen Hyde, 70s show.
0: Who is one of the best characters on that 70s show.
1: I know. This is the thing about, unfortunately, well, entertainment sometimes is shit like that, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes it's hard to separate the artist from the art, you know. It's like, oh, why you got to do stupid shit? Another person I want to mention, Wiley Wiggins. Oh, okay. All right. I was like, what is Mitch from Days and Confused doing in this? Because <laughs> it's was was like just... he's not pinched the bridge of his nose in this film. That's why I think it's hard for people to recognize him.
0: Another potential piece of shit. I don't know if anything's ever been proven against him, but he was forced out of some of his old positions. But (laughs) especially for this time period, like Harry Knowles is in this from Ain't It Cool News. (laughs) And you see him and you're like, what the fuck? That's I wouldn't have known back in 98, but you're like, what the fuck? Harry Knowles is in this? The other one, nobody's going to necessarily know, but I think it's just neat and wanted to point out when Mary Beth's going into the school and she gets directions yeah. from the girl with the tattoo. Yeah, that's... That's Robert Rodriguez's sister. I, I read that too. That's pretty cool. That's Tina, yeah.
1: Yeah, and like so there's some other people that are listed, but I mean...
0: That's uh, getting really background. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's like, ah, uh, maybe when we get into the film, we can talk about...
0: The fuck-ups appear prominently enough that we kind of have to mention Danny Masterson.
1: Yeah. Also, yeah, if yeah.
0: You're, you'd be super surprised otherwise, you're like, the fuck... <laughs> Hide. <laughs>
1: oh, well, it's like 98. I wouldn't have known that. Right. I would have known that his brother, which was in Malcolm in the Middle, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm more familiar with him from that time period. Anyway, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. We did give you a setup about the film, give you some warnings heading into this film.
0: Warnings. If you are watching this on modern technology, there's nudity. Yeah. Good point. If you watched it on VHS on a CRT <laughs> monitor, there was not. It was uh, way too dark. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, dude. But there's a little bit of body horror. Mm-hmm. We already mentioned this aliens, so extraterrestrial right, stuff. Right. Little bit of just kind of scary imagery to go along with that. I'm kind of thinking Robert Patrick's face. Good point. Yeah. If you know I like what, it. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of violence. Yeah, there's some not too bad, but there's definitely violence on screen.
1: Yeah, there's some, you know, a little bit of blood, not much gore that
0: accompanies it. It's mostly just, mm-hmm. you know, effects. The worst gore and the worst body horror happen in the same scene. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get through that, then you're oh you're, yeah, you're good. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. you're fine the rest of the movie. If you don't like the Breakfast Club, <laughs> but yeah, I mean this one
1: man i feel like it maybe be oh is they a little cuss bit, a lot yeah but i still feel like it's a stretch for a rated r i mean yeah, man, i mean I,
0: I would say i get it though it automatically gets the r because they say fuck at least 15 times in this movie
1: yeah and that's too much for the sensor boards mm-hmm. yeah the rating boards whatever especially in 98 yeah given the time it kind of makes sense
0: but yeah otherwise eh, let's just talk about it you know what danny let's find out how I made a squeal how does that make you squeal All right, so I'm curious enough to kind of try to get this out of the way to begin with. I've already used the descriptor post-Scream a few times. We've talked about a few other post-Scream teen slasher slash horrors. Not all of them are slashers. This one's not a slasher, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, no, there's a certain mold it fits in. Where does this rank amongst those for you? Take Scream out of the equation. Because we're talking post-Scream, obviously influenced by. So things like uh, like Urban Legend, I Know What You Did Last Summer.
1: Okay, I want to say out of those three that we've watched, right? This one included in the three of I Know What You Did Last Summer,
0: Urban Legend, and this being the third. In a way, I'd almost count Scary Movie. It's more of a straight-up parody, so it has to fall in that category, but...
1: I'm always going to put those scary movies up top, man. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I'm sorry. They are so fucking good. I love those movies. It's because it's the Waynes, man. Mm -hmm. They know how to do comedy right? satire, parodies. They did it at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You haven't heard much of them lately, unfortunately. But anyway. (laughs) All
0: right. So if we're going to go four, I would say. (coughs) I guess of the three serious ones we've done so far.
1: I want to say I might like this one right after I Know What You Did Last Summer. I think okay. I think I like that one a little bit more. I like this one a lot too. Don't get me wrong. I think I know what you did last summer. We just barely edges it out. But I do like this one second, and then probably Urban Legend third. Even though I mean I like all of them. Mm-hmm. They're all I mean they're all fucking Kevin Williams and dude. <laughs> but they're all good in their own rights, and I don't know. I just think for me growing up, you know, during this time period, too, certain things stuck out a little bit more, and, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, on, upon rewatch, some of those things change too. So.
0: I think at one point I would have actually, even though I fucking love Robert Rodriguez, I think I probably would have put Urban Legend over this at one point. I think upon rewatch is what has now made me put the faculty at the top of that list. Nice.
1: I'm still kind of working it
0: out, but I do feel like this one does genre-aware protagonists the next best after Scream. Oh, no -hmm. doubt. No doubt. This one has some very,
1: very clever metaphors and allegories to certain things in a social context that can be easily missed if you're not really paying attention to that.
0: And it's just like it manages to be just as serious as the other two while also being funnier.
1: I think it does do a better job of comedy. Yeah,
0: I don't know, though. Like I said, I think for years, even though I love Bob Rod, I think I would have put Urban Legend at the top of that list. Yeah, that's cool, man.
1: Hey, I like it, man. So getting back a little bit, I know we talked about, you know, the fact that this film takes place during the high school years and sometimes good, sometimes bad. Everybody has memories, you know, especially if you went. And since you and I delve into some of our favorite subjects here, (laughs) I was like, man, that was the first time I had ever tried marijuana was in high school, but I think I jumped on board late. I know we've talked about our history with it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it does hearken back memories because this is close to around that time period where I was just trying out marijuana for the first time.
0: I would have saw this movie almost right when it came out. So I was still like five years away from trying weed for the first time at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm almost certain I didn't see this at the theater in 98. I think I would have remembered it, but I'm I sure I'd say I was 99. I saw it
0: in the theater. I was 11 when it came out. It wouldn't have hit Superior till more like mid-February because we tended to get theatrical releases about two months later since we had one screen that showed three nights a week, only one showing.
1: Yeah, that's rough. It makes (laughs) it rough, yeah.
0: But that would have been right in the right time period where if it was a movie that was even remotely interesting to me, like I was seeing it in the theater because there was nothing else to fucking do in a town of what i just told you like that was our movie theater experience yeah
1: you were going to check out that movie dude you going
0: so i'm pretty sure i saw this in the theater it just wouldn't have been till early 99 which still would have been opening night for me <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. no there's
1: nothing wrong with that i've been there done that too but i'm trying to think i don't remember seeing it at the theater that doesn't mean i didn't go but i honestly don't remember going to the theater and watching this so it would have been like somewhere in early 99 Probably when I'd seen this. But it was cool because back then you recognize certain people. You know, Elijah Wood being a big draw. I knew of Jon Stewart, too, because of Mm. what I just said about half-baked, which is funny.
0: I mean, I think this probably would have been my introduction to almost everybody in this cast. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of people I, I didn't recognize. But there were a few I did recognize, you know, because of the time
0: period. Some of them, like, I'm pretty sure I saw Carrie before this, but I wouldn't have recognized Piper Laurie.
1: Yeah, she wouldn't not have jumped as, out to me.
0: Not when I was 11 or 12. I watched this movie a lot growing up. So whenever it would come on like Showtime or HBO. Yeah,
1: you were checking it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I never did actually own it. I definitely rented it a few times to try to pause it and see them titties. That's how I know it, it was dark <laughs> yeah. enough in those times. Oh, man, she's a cutie pie. But I get it. <laughs> Things truly are different sometimes when you see them through, through modern technology. That's very true. I mean, we're still both blown away the difference that it made for House of a Thousand Corpses.
1: Man. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Any well, time the I difference think of that,
0: is wow. in this is that now there's suddenly nudity. And you're like, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I can see why they blotted that out. <laughs> Where was I going with all that? I don't know. I've seen this movie a fucking lot. Yeah,
1: we're just talking about a little bit of our history and the time period and what have you. So, yeah, like I said, I was 17 when this film came out and... You know, at the time, I was mostly renting a lot of films because I had friends that worked at Hollywood Video. And when you have friends that work at video rental places, they're going to hook you up. So, yeah. But this one, because, like I said, the cast and the time period and what have you, and because it's set in high school, I was its target audience. I checked it out quite a few times during that time period, too.
0: So we've brought this part up before, too, when we've talked about these kinds of movies. Comparatively, accurately age cast for the most part. Yeah. Did you see how close everybody actually was?
1: I didn't look at a lot of people's actual age, but let's see. I know Elijah Wood would have been like, what, 18, 17?
0: Elijah Wood was 17. Yeah, I know Jordana Brewster was... Which exact for his character. Yeah,
1: she was like 18.
0: Jordana Brewster was 18. I want to say like some of
1: these people were probably in their early 20s or right there at it, 1920, somewhere around there. I'm not sure about Hartnett.
0: Clea Duvall was 21. okay. The oldest of the kids were Laura Harris and Sean Haddesey were both 22. But Sean is a young looking 22. Passable for a high school guy. And Laura, even if you don't think she passes, I mean, we're in the spoiler section now. It kind of makes sense she doesn't pass, right? She's just not that good at impersonating a person yet. (laughs) Exactly. So you can kind of explain it away within the movie if she doesn't quite align. That's a good point. Josh Hartnett would have been 20. Okay. Which is because his character Got is repeating <laughs> senior year is fucking pretty close. close. Yeah. That's real close. Yeah. That's a good
1: point too. That's funny.
0: So did, a, pretty they good did job. a good job. You know,
1: I did watch a bit of an interview with Bob Rod when they were releasing this film. And he said it took longer to cast everybody in the film uh, because they were looking for, you know, people that would fit certain roles and could Mm -hmm. pass for that and what have you. So I think they did a good job assembling the cast. And I can see why it took so long, because you can't just throw anybody in these roles.
0: And this is like truly before so many of these people break out huge.
1: Yeah. This was a good launching pad for a lot of these people in the film,
0: yeah. We mentioned, like, Elijah Wood had a career, but not like he has oh. after this. And it's not because of this, but... No, it's just it's the way things lined up for him. Fucking Hartnett had been in a fucking Halloween movie. But yeah. it's but, not like what was coming after this. Oh, I
1: know. Which is, for a lot of people, and that's, like I said, it's no offense or nothing, but that's a pretty big accomplishment, mm-hmm. being in a Halloween franchise, regardless of which film it's in, you know, still an accomplishment.
0: Same with Brewster, Duvall... Duvall maybe not as much on the movie side, but has definitely been raking it in across the TV side for years on some very well-regarded programs. Exactly.
1: So you're right. They found their in, and you could say this is a launching pad for a lot of that too. You could say even for some of the people involved, not in the cast, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the crew we've already mentioned too, it sparked a lot of shit to come for them as well, you know, bigger and better sometimes.
0: And weirdly, in a way, like I said, didn't even really technically spark it.
1: Yeah, no, no, it just, it's
0: more just like this weird point in time when all these people converged in this one place.
1: That's the '90s for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes it interesting when you go back and see that, and we're let's see twenty like what twenty three years removed almost from this film. Mm-hmm. Twenty two. <laughs> like, damn, this film is older than what I and you both initially had seen it. Yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you something, too.
0: And so firing it up <laughs> and firing one of these Js up, holy shit was I so overjoyed when some goddamn offspring hits me like a fucking <laughs> Mack truck off the get-go. Yeah. Robert Patrick from the get-go, who I had forgotten about, I was uh, I was uh, talking too. with people throughout the week that did know this movie and everybody would bring up the cast, like, holy shit, this person, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, exactly. like we've been doing for the past fucking forty minutes. But I kept forgetting and bring up Robert Patrick. And
1: Dude, then it's, it's like,
0: course. oh yeah, coach. You're
1: like, oh damn, yeah. T one thousand. Sweet. And then you forget that sometimes. And same thing with Piper Lori. And then like, oh yeah, maybe Newworth is in this.
0: And you're like, holy shit, there's a lot of people in this. I'll admit, I still didn't recognize Piper Laurie right off the bat. I had yeah. to look that shit up, and I was like, oh, shit, that is Piper Laurie.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's pretty awesome. There's some homage done clever throughout the film, and I think once we get to those scenes and what have you, it kind of makes sense, especially with some of these people in the cast, once again.
0: Joke I never would have caught as a kid. When they're discussing the budget, and everybody's getting pissed off, and the drama teacher is sort of pissed at the end and sort of muttering to herself and she goes i guess we could reuse the sets from our town yeah yeah, yeah. our (laughs) town doesn't use sets that's pretty clever and funny (laughs) it's like damn that's a double like smack that's that's a deep fucking joke right there
1: that is a deep cut but that shows you the cleverness right you never know when those
0: things will show up (laughs) that was fucking funny yeah so with the attack robert patrick attacking was a principal drake Yes. What's scarier? Because we get to see them both. Robert Patrick running at you like the T-1000, or Robert Patrick purposely striding towards you?
1: Uh, (laughs) I guess it depends on your history with him, too, right? (laughs) With that being said, I think I'd be more comfortable if he was striding at me. (laughs) Because I've seen what he can do if he's running at you. It's not pretty. No. No, no, no. Fuck that noise. (laughs) Slow it down.
0: Them showing the fucking pencil through the hand is when you're like, oh, yeah, this is rated R, right?
1: I was like, oh, damn, yeah.
0: It kicks off pretty early, too, which
1: is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that.
0: Who do you think infected Coach? That's a good question. Because, because there it goes. <laughs> the shadow doesn't look like Mary Beth.
1: No, that was my initial impression. I was like, well, I don't think that would be his initial reaction to her because he wouldn't have known who she is at, to begin with. Right. And it kind of makes me wonder if it was one of the teachers that we're not thinking about. Mm. Perhaps. But I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure.
0: As I was trying to look at that shadow, it almost looked like it might have been had the shoulder pads on. And I was thinking maybe Usher. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that would have been awesome.
1: Perhaps, man. You never know. Because it's never really answered.
0: No, because... The whole point of this opening sequence, which is capped off beautifully by you think she gets away, turns out, no, there's already two teachers captured. Yeah, exactly. Because fucking Piper Laurie just goes to town. I'm trying to think if there was a if there was a scene where... You don't fuck with the T-1000 and Carrie's mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't. Those are two villains, some would say. One, pretty obvious, right? But in Carrie, perhaps, man, you can say her mm-hmm. mom was a villain. But you're right. I forgot that that happens in this film because it had been so long since I'd seen it. Where Bibi Newworth, she gets out, <laughs> you know, and then of course Piper Laurie, officer. I'm like, damn, this film kick starts pretty quick. But as far as horror for horror's sake, that's about where it kind of ends per se, and it goes yeah. more sci fi, which I'm okay with.
0: Right, because I'm it's cool still- with that
1: it's still horror
0: but it's, it's still, more, sci-fi, yeah, it's more like sci-fi body snatchers pod i mean they call it out in the movie it's pod people oh, yeah. it's just it's not it's it's animorphs it's the fucking yerks
1: yeah and i'm cool with that
0: <laughs> i like it makes sense you know the
1: way this film plod along but that was some of those early things where i was like man i totally forgot about the hand scene and then her getting off. yeah and then uh they have the introduction to all the main characters.
0: I forgot that they do the fucking names on screen. I did too. I which like, is kind of ballsy and I like that. That is good. In the right movie it works. And this is one of those movies. Yeah, like, because it's, it's a fun high school sci-fi horror.
1: It is. And it's setting up kind of like the archetypes and what have mm-hmm. you, you know. And I think because of the time period we grew up in, it does feel like the Brat Pack from Breakfast Club, the way it's set up. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was like, I like it. It's like maybe our generation's, you know, Brat Pack. Right. Not that that wasn't the intention, but kind of felt like that. It's just the archetypes of the characters.
0: I'm going to be real. I've only ever seen The Breakfast Club, like, twice. Because as far as those movies go, <laughs> fucking Sixteen Candles is my jam, not, not
1: Breakfast no, Club. No, no, I, I get it, man. There's a <laughs> lot of John Hughes films that are the jams, and Sixteen Candles is definitely one of them.
0: But... To break it down in the archetypes from Breakfast Club and how it comes yeah. across to the characters, and because we get the introduction of the characters <laughs> right now, we have the brain, which is Casey in this case. Yes. The athlete, which is now Stan. The basket case, Stokely. <laughs> yep. The princess, Delilah. And the criminal, Zeke. <laughs> yep. Guess who doesn't fit in? Of course. Mary Beth. She's the odd one out. So if you notice that right away...
1: Then you know who the odd one is out.
0: <laughs> yeah, But guess what? Who noticed that right away?
1: No, it's not really your focus, you know, the first time going into it. But you're like, oh, it just happens to be a new girl.
0: I don't know quite how this movie does it. I was trying to see if I could figure out how it was obscuring this as I was watching it. One of the things I feel this movie does really well is make it so that you don't suspect the new person as much as you should in this situation. Yeah, that's clever. Everyone has a way that they're suddenly acting out of character, and they call that out to each other. Yeah. And you're suddenly like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't even notice that, like, we have a chick that showed up literally when all this started happening, and it's still kind of a surprise when it's her.
1: Yeah, exactly, because everything's so off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like It's hard to see where that line, where it's at, where the divide is at. I think there's a clever thing they do, too, with Elijah Wood's character in reference to that, you know, because of the things he saw and then the way things are played out aren't necessarily, you know, even when the teachers arrive, you know, in the shadows mm. and he says, "I'm, I think I'm losing it. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about like it's hard to read into certain things for Mm -hmm. the first time through because you don't know exactly what's going on but I think it's clever man they're masking it with teachers you're not really focusing on like I said her per se yeah
0: in that opening montage when we get introduced to all the kids there was one thing (laughs) it was funny but The picking up Elijah Wood and ramming him into the pole seems like a lot of work for a nut shot when you already have the kid's legs cranked open. Now, I played Uh, high school football. Nut shots were a daily occurrence. And that just seems like a lot of work for something that you could do anyway at that point.
1: You know, talking about this stuff out loud, it does bring back memories. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, just a little backhand. bam! Yeah, if you left yourself exposed, it's going to hurt. It's on you.
0: (laughs) You don't have your guard up when your teammates are around
1: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but yeah he gets it rough man and it sets up things for later on too you know it's playing right into that trope of him getting bullied the brain you know even him like cleaning himself up in the stall he's like fuck you know Mm -hmm. you feel bad for him he's the kid that gets picked on
0: all right in that stall there is some graffiti. <laughs> I think I have it written uh, down too. For Tito and the Tarantulas. <laughs> right? Yeah. Tito and the Tarantulas was a group that composed music for Desperado and from Dusk Till Dawn.
1: That's awesome. Oh, yeah. There's some other graffiti I noticed too. I'm going to have to look through my notes, but I was like, wow, this is kind of funny. <laughs>
0: The other thing, there's no graffiti of it, but it comes up a lot if you're paying attention to the posters in the background. The school, and it's said once on the PA, mm-hmm. the school that they're facing in the football game, Chango.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Chango is a type of beer in From Dusk Till Dawn and Desperado.
1: Nice. Hell oh, yeah. That's clever ways of
0: putting your product Yeah, <laughs> in the film. <laughs> I like it, dude. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Why not, right? Oh, is it if I can... somebody says something about piss warm Chango and Desperado? <laughs> yeah, I'm just taking a look to see where that.
1: Was. Oh, here it is. <laughs> okay, so that other piece of graffiti I was mm-hmm. going to refer to, it comes a little bit later on when um the Lila and Casey they meet in the stall where she's incognito. Mm-hmm. Oh, but right before you see them go into the stall, there's like some carved out graffiti, <laughs> and it says Untamed muff
0: oh that's rude i saw that i was like
1: damn that reminds me of going back and watching back to the future because if you watch it early on as soon as michael j fox steps on you know on the the top step of the school you can see (laughs) schmegma graffiti on one of the columns like oh my gosh they left that in there it's a family movie (laughs) So anyway, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. It's like
0: that was fucking funny. I love during the introduction the ballsiness of fucking art in it. <laughs> it's yeah. so over the top, but it's also right in the fucking time period. You know it what is. I mean? Falls like out those fucking movies, not just in horror, but just like the teen high school movies from the late '90s and early 2000s, always had that character.
1: Oh yeah, Billy Badass.
0: Yeah, his was great, especially because most of the other ones stop short of having. That character just openly dealing drugs. <laughs> and porn. Yeah. Fake porn. Because Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt, I don't think I've ever actually done nude scenes. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> but yeah, that's
1: time period it was in. Mm-hmm. You know, bootlegs were still a thing. Have to make do with what you got, you know?
0: Dude, he was selling some VHSs. You do what you got to do.
1: <laughs> it takes you back, man. It mm-hmm. takes me
0: back. Like, once again, in retrospect... It's kind of neat that they pushed the limit a little bit further than looking back on it. Most of the others just have the fucking the Billy Badass character act like a dickhead, which Josh Hartnett, for the most part, didn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was kind of cocky and stuff like that, you know, arrogant. But it's hard to say he had good intentions, per se, but he wasn't like an unlikable character.
0: No, no, he definitely had unlikable moments. But once he has the opportunity of something that actually interests him and he perks up and shit, like... Then he's capable. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's even alluded throughout that he's very knowledgeable. It just doesn't seem like he applies himself, you know?
0: Dude, even those early scenes where he's being a fucking shithead to Pamukka Janssen, his reactions whenever she walks away, in hindsight and knowing where this movie ends up, I don't think he did a fantastic job of it because... It requires multiple rewatches to catch it, but I do think he was playing the character like he already had a crush on her and just didn't know how to express himself. (laughs) Yeah? It was kind of like the shitty high school version of like going and pushing the girl out on the playground. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, he's like, I got some magnums. (laughs) Yeah, cherry flavored. They're yummy. I
1: mean, it comes around full circle.
0: But it's funny because he's basically like, look, stop getting up in my grill. You're either constipated or you need to get laid. I got you. I got you. you. (laughs) He wasn't wrong.
1: (laughs) There's some interesting things that are in this film. That's definitely one of them. I think it's interesting to note after watching so many films (laughs) is how obvious they make it that water is a big deal in this film like wow i don't know if i ever paid that much attention to it until now but i was like yeah it's pretty fucking obvious
0: from the get-go once again like upon these rewatches and knowing what's coming because i'd seen this fucking movie so many times even when robert patrick is infected he's fucking trying to push back down the fucking water spout that's broke out on the football field yeah yeah exactly like from the get-go he's gotten caught when he's trying to turn off a water source I think all that stuff is clever,
1: man. It's well done. This is a well done film.
0: Let's see. Elijah Wood finds the fucking creature, right? Yeah. That kind of kickstarts it for the most part. It really
1: launches this film forward because he goes to Jon Stewart's character, who happens to be Professor Edward Furlong, right? Science teacher, what have you. And they start looking at it like, ooh, you might have found you know, a new species and what have you. But- He says something that really, it ties everything together. (laughs) If you're really paying attention. He says, there's sea dwelling creatures. I'm like, "Uh, where do you think sea dwelling creatures live? Why do you think (laughs) water is so important in this film? Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious. You know, yeah. And then they drop it in the water. And when you think about everything that happens in this film, it makes sense throughout. Like, I don't think there's a moment where you can doubt how people are getting infected. And because things are established.
0: Yeah, they don't really keep
1: it secret. Yeah, it's pretty in your face, but it's still well done. You still have to... The secret is who's
0: been infected.
1: Right, right, right. And uh, it becomes a mystery, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what makes it fun as well.
0: We're not quite there talking about some of this shit yet, but Zeke's garage is just the thing. That's exactly what it is.
1: And that's what helps watching a lot of these films now, Mm -hmm. you know, is because you're like, oh, okay. There's even a scene... Where Elijah Wood and Clay Duvall, they're in the library, and she's talking about invasion of the body snatchers, but she's saying it's basically a, a ripoff of uh, Puppet uh, Masters. Puppet
0: Masters, yeah, Harlan Ellison.
1: Yeah, and she spells it out. She's like, "Yeah, no, they're not pods. They're parasites and hosts." And you're like, oh, this is exactly what this fucking film
0: is. But it's done well because that's not the mystery. Exactly, it just lets you know what's going on, so you can keep up.
1: Keep going forward. Yeah. And that's what I think is really neat about watching this film. Now with some of this knowledge, it was good.
0: What's your thought on the creature design?
1: I thought it looked pretty damn decent. It reminded me a little bit of the relic in certain yeah. scenes, certain yeah. moments. I was like, that's not bad. That was actually pretty damn decent. Even some of the, uh, you know, CG and whatnot back then wasn't too bad. It wasn't like God awful or nothing, but I thought it was still pretty decent. Yeah.
0: I wish Bob Rod would have made as much use of shadows as the relic did. Mm, because yeah. I think some of the CG towards the end would have held up a little bit better, but I'm surprised for how good it did hold up for the time period. Yeah. It's like I don't think Because it really didn't look that some things looked weird, but it didn't look that's what I'm terrible saying terrible. I don't yet. think I, I
1: I don't think they did a bad job at all, is what I'm saying is the time period because they did use some practical stuff Mm -hmm. which definitely helps yeah i mean we've seen a lot worse (laughs) for sure but yeah i mean it it does hold up pretty decent man
0: i always loved the little fucking the claws that fucking pull back the foreskin so i can bite
1: (laughs) when did it get teeth (laughs) (laughs) ain't been paying attention
0: that part was always fucking neat looking, though, especially that cool close up that you get on it and yeah. shit. And you're like, when? Because it looks <laughs> scary and nasty.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we see what happened with Jon Stewart sticking his fucking finger in the tank. You don't do that, man.
0: No. What are you doing? <laughs> especially not after it fucking multiplies like no. that. I like need to that. feel it.
1: Like, no, you don't. <laughs>
0: Dude, if that thing splits apart alone. when my hands in the water, my hands not in the water anymore. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm probably not hardly in the room. Like my foots maybe still in the room as I'm exiting out the fucking door. But <laughs> yeah. if something splits like that while I'm touching it, fuck you! Mm-mm. I'm jumping the fuck out of my mind. Like, oh yeah, I'm hot stepping out of. <laughs> <laughs> nope. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Real things don't do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't have time for the bullshit. <laughs>
0: I do think that extremely quick replication also explains away the aliens' regenerative abilities, though. I think so. So with that in mind, once again, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but it's only because it's tied to their regeneration. If the end credits are canon, Jon Stewart ended up surviving. We know that Famke Janssen survived. Yes. We see that. Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Who we don't see is Principal Drake. Do you think she died? Died because she got fucking disintegrated.
1: I know that's what I was trying to think. I'm like, I mean, how do you explain her coming back from that? And how I, do you explain it yourself? Like,
0: because the John Stewart one's hard to explain. Fomkiansen makes sense because
1: yeah, I mean, we see it, she or,
0: didn't get dehydrated, right? She was in a place where she could still conceivably just go out to the football field and lay down in the wet grass and absorb some of that shit right Mm -hmm. so we see her get put back together by the alien before the alien gets killed
1: (laughs) well let me ask you this because she was decapitated do you think because they do have regenerative skills or properties i should say do you think she left any scar tissue at all or is it like clean back together because clean the reason i'm asking this because i don't know if you paid attention to what she was wearing i know i'm jumping way ahead all the way oh, in the bleachers.
0: No, I didn't.
1: So when... Because
0: she's all scarfed up, isn't she? Yes.
1: I want to go out on a limb, not a huge limb.
0: There's a scar? I think,
1: yeah, that's why they put her in that scarf. Mm-hmm. Because maybe she does. <laughs> maybe that was like in the remnant for her, but that was clever.
0: Jon Stewart didn't get healed all the way because he got dried out. Yeah. But he didn't get dried out to the point of disintegrating. You're right.
1: He was just foaming up.
0: So in that case, what, at most two people die? We should say Drake, Drake, for sure. And the one that it didn't take. Was it Brummel? Yeah. The old lady?
1: All right, there was two things I wanted to mention with her. Because she has, she has a wild scene I totally forgot about in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first thing that was wild I thought was funny was he was, uh, isn't he yelling, at, is that you, Casey? Yeah. I'm like, woo. that's a weird one. <laughs> And then the second slash third one, per se, is I've seen it be referenced to The Shining. You know, like Jack Nicholson being oh, confronted with. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can see that one. I don't think this one necessarily, I might be reaching a little bit, only because Piper Lori's in it. It's like, that's a little bit of Carrie-esque. Oh, kind of. The horn. She relays a message. They want everyone's what she basically tells them.
0: That's the part where probably the best gore comes into play, too. Oh, that's fucked up. The that that clump of, of head, head. Oh, that was fucking nasty looking. That was like some head.
1: Phantasm stuff. That was pretty good.
0: That was some, yeah.
1: And this drops. Like, what the hell, man? First off, what are you doing here naked with me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Second off, why do I got a fear boner?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an interesting moment, to say the least. But I, I liked it. There was something I noticed when we were watching this (laughs) I found kind of interesting. A movie that later on would ape a lot of slasher tropes, as we pointed out when we covered it in the episode, but especially teen movie tropes, Cabin in the Woods, part of its operation was taking these characters and turning them into these stereotypes that they weren't actually... I thought it was interesting that in this one you have a bunch of characters that aren't just one thing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's kind of cheesy that they all go through this transformation, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like. You kind of get it though. But you it's know? also not like I kind of know it's coming at a certain point too. Yeah. But I thought it was cool that, I don't know, it was weird that it reminded me of Cabin in the Woods in that way where I was like, oh, <laughs> this one was just smart enough to kind of do it where like these characters don't have to be just one thing. They're kind of both. Because yeah, now just because Zeke goes out for football at the end doesn't mean he's not still... First off, it doesn't mean he's not still dealing drugs.
1: I mean, <laughs> he second is. Second
0: off, doesn't mean he doesn't still know how to make drugs.
1: All right. This might be one of the oddest questions I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Only because it involves his scene at the end, in high school in general. Is like, have you ever seen... Anybody you ever played football with,
0: have a cigarette break. (laughs) Not a cigarette break, but I'll tell you what, fucking goddamn close. Because when we played against Two Eagle River High School, they were a basketball school. Didn't care about football. They played football to keep in shape for basketball. If they weren't playing and were on the sidelines, you would see fucking players Run over to the concession stand and buy nachos. (laughs)
1: Like I mean hell, if I'm gonna be there for like you know, two hours or whatever it is, need some nachos.
0: It was fucking wild, dude. I
1: I got my ticket over here, coach. (laughs) Got my snacks.
0: I couldn't believe that (laughs) shit.
1: So you imagine that like part of their
0: warm-ups before the game was they were in full pads playing some pickup basketball up on the fucking (laughs) crazy.
1: It was like seven V seven
0: or, uh, that was uh, that was eight on eight, yeah, okay. yeah. That was eight man. Damn, still I like that was eight man class C Montana football. Wow.
1: I would imagine you have to play two ways a lot.
0: Yep. Jesus, yeah. You I was pretty like, much have to be able to play both ways to start.
1: I was just thinking, I was like, man, I,
0: very if, few you. It, you <laughs> have to be a really special quarterback or a really, really, really special any other position yes, to not play. play.
1: I just was I like. Man, seeing people rotate in and out, like handing off nachos <laughs> and Coca-Cola.
0: Dude, I, I couldn't believe that shit. But I, like I said, it's not quite That's a smoke hilarious. break, but, but fucking Somewhere in close. between. Yeah, somewhere in between. It's fucking close, dude.
1: <laughs> All right, so that was one. All right, there was another scene in this film. I don't think that this was the film's intention. It's just the way it came off, and especially in today's age. And let me explain. There's a scene where Clea Duvall and Sean Hedesey, they're having a conversation about him quitting football because she's asking him, you know, whatever. And he tells her that he's quitting because he wants to be known for his academics. And he relates his story to her about an assignment where he got a D. and Oh, yeah. And it's the way he says it. He says that he worked hard for that D D. (laughs) and that it was my D. (laughs) that was probably the most unintentional funniest lines in the film (laughs) so good though but it almost seems
0: like she catches it and that's what she's laughing at at first and then she starts laughing at how fucking adorable it is that he just wants to be able to be a d student but yeah that was also by the way kind of a cute chemistry moment was. you kind of end up buying them getting together at the end because of that scene they have together
1: it just feels very natural and i think that's what this film also does a good job bob of making it believable with these characters
0: Interestingly, Clea Duval playing a character who pretends to be lesbian to get people to fucking not fuck with her. Yeah. Years before she comes out as lesbian.
1: She was a chameleon in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: All right, here's some other little deep cut. Just weird trivia. Principal Drake. The Drake equation is the equation that they use to estimate the amount of intelligent life out in the universe. Mm.
1: That's pretty cool. All right, I will say this. Because this film leans heavy on a lot of sci-fi stuff, you've already mentioned aliens, Mm -hmm. right? We've already mentioned Invasion of body snatchers, things like that. Stuff like that, man. I know there's other little stuff because it's Bob Rod and because Mm -hmm. some of these guys on these projects. It's like, that's another cool thing about this film is it feels like so many different things, even though it's not really its intention. That's why I think this film is a lot more believable than maybe some of the other fodder we have seen. Mm Mm-hmm. But I still think it's interesting, like the high school football scene, like the, the fucking game, the game.
0: Dude, that scene is so over the top. It had me fucking roll. But
1: how many times have you seen that in the 90s with those styles of film? Maybe not necessarily that hyped up, but
0: I mean, it is close. practically Varsity Blues.
1: Right. And this preceded it, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I think Varsity Blues is 99. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I mean, hello, 90s, <laughs> Friday Night Lights, this film, Varsity Blues, Bunch of films, but it didn't feel out of place.
0: No, no, it felt period appropriate, just in the most read because Robert <sighs> yes. Patrick is chewing the scenery in that scene oh, for being it. for being infected by a fucking alien. <laughs> like the reactions of it. the other coach. Oh, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> and they were infecting the kids at the same time. They were like smashing them.
0: Fucking usher goes night train lane on the guy.
1: <laughs> he does straight forearm them. Mm. Yeah.
0: Gets carried off. If, you, if y'all don't know Night Train Lane, look up some of that Dick. shit on YouTube. Night Train. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know who that is. If y'all don't know that, go look up that shit That's on. I'm not even going to talk about it right now. But if you like football and you like yeah. seeing hard hits, and you like seeing people's heads almost fucking yeah, if taken you think off,
1: football is violent now. Shit. Shit.
0: Didn't he hold the season interception record all the way up until like
1: for a 2018, long time?
0: Eighteen something like that. Yeah, he was a bad dude. Anyway, that's going way off topic, but... Yeah, that's okay. We're talking about football here, so it's still relative. (laughs) With football in mind and kind of back to where we were before, that interaction between Elijah Wood and Coach (laughs) T-1000 was strange enough that I think I'd immediately be going and running telling somebody about that. I know, like, what
1: is up with this dude?
0: You know what I mean? Like, he kind of plays it off a little bit. His coach is just being a dick, but... I do feel like I crossed the line into where like even if that happened to me as like an anxious shy fucking high schooler I would be like that shit's fucking weird somebody that's, has to hear about that's this maybe not even a teacher but too. like maybe not even a teacher if I even know somebody <laughs> a little bit I'm going and being like yo you won't fucking believe what just happened between me and coach
1: yeah this this dude's <laughs> not his fucking head
0: right on with him anyway it was still good but
1: Yeah, no, 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 I I know what you're saying, but it's just still, like, that's a real moment. (laughs) That's a real anxiety for some people, you know? Totally get it.
0: One of the best things I think this film gives us is after fucking Christopher McDonald and Elijah Wood and all that goes down in the (laughs) principal's office. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking Robert Patrick gives him the fucking shoot. (laughs) does. (laughs) So good.
1: There's, I think some intentional homages to people who've done other films, like putting a little bit of something from their films in this film.
0: We keep just getting distracted by all these other fucking things, but I mean, the plots, it's a fucking body snatcher. So people are getting one by one. We already mentioned that they end up in a thing scenario where all these kids that we've been talking about this entire time. Exactly. They figured out that, okay, yeah, for sure. There's aliens. Oh, okay. Before, I started to try to blow through things, but I suppose we should mention the Jon Stewart scene. Because it's, that includes is some of the coolest fucking shit that I remember seeing as a kid. Remember, I saw this for that's the first time out. as 11 years old. And to this day, I thought this as a kid. And to this day, I do not understand how paper cutters were allowed in classrooms to begin with. You saw what it does. And that's some scary shit. Like They're not quite the same these days, are they? I'm not that I'm aware of. Like, I think they have, like, things in place where they only come up so far and shit, but I remember that shit as, like, a kid, just every time I'd use it, thinking about the fact, like, how the fuck are they letting me do this? And Uh, so Josh Hartnett ripping that fucker off was one of the coolest fucking things I ever saw as a kid, because it's one of those things you think of, like, every day when you're in the classroom looking (laughs) at that bitch. Like, Like
1: any moment this can go off.
0: (laughs) And then from that moment on, that becomes part of your zombie plan when you're a kid, right? There's an you know, origin If, if for shit goes down, right? now you know that like I can rip that bitch off just like Josh Hartnett did, and I got a giant fucking cleaver that can take off Jon Stewart's fingers. Exactly. Like I can at least disable him for a little bit. <laughs> so when Jon Stewart attacks, I know what to do. Lopping them fingers off. I want to stab you in the eye. <laughs> but that's
1: a line he actually tells Selma Hayek earlier on. He's like, just stab me in the eye.
0: Yeah that's true fuck <laughs> so you know he gets what he asked for <laughs> the kids are all convinced because of the way that John Stewart scene played out and all that shit I'm skipping over some things but honestly I mean, it's it, just them figuring it out the, slowly
1: the so. catalyst for that initially was because they were pulling in a stand which was Sean Hadassi's character and they were explaining to him hey you know the alien story and Josh Hartnett and Mary Beth were getting uh, some merchandise I think or oh, like yeah. buying or whatever and they overhear the conversation through the vents. And that's what led them in there. And they happen to be in the classroom with John Stewart. Yeah, and that kicks that shit off.
0: But when they get out of there, then you get the thing scene. Fucking brilliant. It was good. It was real good. I like the humor in it. Elijah Wood's fucking breakdown. Wow. Super believable. That's like... Believable and like legendary. How I'm, fucking
1: good is that, dude? I'm like, like wow. If he wasn't stoned... For the first time, he sold it well. Damn, giggling. I even like when it came down to Delilah and Marybeth, and he goes uh, showdown. <laughs> <laughs> Just giggling. I was like that is good, man. That's actually really good. Did you catch when
0: Delilah got infected? Let me think for a second.
1: I'm almost thinking maybe in that classroom scene.
0: In the classroom scene. With the fingers a, and shit. When the fingers happen, there's a blink and you'll miss it moment. Yeah. Because some of the parasites also sort of pop out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because Elijah Wood snaps one up and that's where they have it for the garage scene. Exactly. Another one lands on Delilah and you see it start to crawl up her leg. And Mary Beth mm-hmm. is the one helping her with it as they fall behind the desk and that's the last you see of them. The only thing I don't like about that scene, and I don't think the flashback later on was supposed to be literal, but if you're paying attention to her pinky, it never turns into a fucking tentacle. Oh
1: yeah, I don't think I ever paid attention to that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of the way it, it tries to wrap that around.
0: Yeah, But I don't think that flashback ever is it? supposed to be literal. I think she's just supposed to be planning in his mind, like, these are all the ways that I could have not done this, basically. Good point. Like, yeah. I'm a fucking alien. I mean, bro. she's trying
1: to sweet talk him too. She's like, You were sweet to me. And mm-hmm. she was playing the game. But it's clever. It's good. Because once you do find out Delilah's infected, she gets away. When she that comes out, funny, Mary with Beth all comes the boys out,
0: are not going to shoot her. And fucking Stokes, just like, I'll shoot her. Fuck <laughs> it. <pocket. laughs>
1: but yeah, once they're out in the street, Mary Beth comes out. But once she comes out, she's giggling. Mm hmm. <laughs> And I was like, that's pretty good because she's faking it.
0: Right. Well, because it hit everyone else within like 10 seconds. She's coming out and now she's remembering to giggle.
1: Yeah. And I was like, that is a nice touch to this and her character. hmm Yeah. I like
0: it. If you're paying attention, it's also Mary Beth's character that's the first one to refer to the leader as a queen. Mm-hmm. And she exclusively uses female pronouns for the leader. All right. She spells it out, if you need
1: <laughs> any proof, is when she's introducing herself to Stokes. And they're out there in that courtyard or whatever they're at, and she blatantly tells her, she's like, I feel like an alien myself today. hmm <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't tell you anything. But all of it's clever, because that's not really your focus in this film, for a lot of it. Until, of course, you, it's revealed, but... I still think it's a clever way of doing that, you know? I agree.
0: I agree. Fuck the football game. I mean, at this point, everyone knows that they know. They're basically just trying to track them down once they get close enough again. Yeah. And because there's someone on the inside, they know that they're coming back anyway because they're going to try to take out the leader, and they currently think it's Principal Drake. Exactly. I thought that was pretty ballsy
1: to to have. That's probably why they got the R, two, If there's no other zine is shooting her right in the forehead.
0: Guess how you can tell this is a pre-Columbine movie? Whoa. Because Josh Hartnett brings a fucking gun to school, they abduct a teacher and shoot her right in the middle of the fucking forehead. I know. Like, if in you, the gymnasium. If you
1: took away all the sci-fi in this film and that was that, you were like, oh. <laughs> what the fuck? This movie is in a whole different league now.
0: <laughs> this isn't the first time it's happened, but that scene reminds me of something. Watching it now, we we commented on some of the other CG. Mm-hmm. What did you think of, like, the parasite under the skin effect?
1: Oh, I thought it was pretty decent. I know we've talked about it with, like, scanners and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I thought it was pretty
0: decent. I thought it was pretty good, yeah, too. Yeah, I didn't think it was There was, was bad. a couple times where I was like, eh, maybe uh, yeah. you're overdoing it a little bit, but...
1: Yeah, I think a good use of it. And it was established because of... I guess, like, it's... I don't know what state you would call that. But when it's dropped in water, it spreads out, too. Like, it has... Almost like these nerve attachments or whatever and there's a scene where it's raining and the coach and all the football players are out there when stan's checking on all that shit and you see that coming out of his face it's like that, even though that's cg it's still fucking good and it's effective and you see the lightning
0: flash regular shot i believe i think you're right
1: that's a really good use of that and it still makes sense
0: oh god that scene's good so what do you think usher's expanded part was Usher, for sure, had more scenes that got cut because he appears in the trailer in scenes that got cut.
1: Dude, he's in in the poster. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know. I hate to speculate, too. Because his character, it'd have to be something football-related and or related to Stan. Mm -hmm. Somehow, that's the only thing I could piece together.
0: And I'm wondering why that got trimmed down.
1: I don't know, because he's in it just enough to, like, hey, are you okay that I'm the new captain? Whatever, dude. (laughs) And, uh hey where are you going get in the car right
0: yeah and then the, the football night scene. train yeah <laughs> his moments and then some of the chasing them i was gonna say i did like the chase the chase was good
1: i did like that because that's one of the things that i like about films and, and, and in general maybe with dreams and stuff is the feeling of the chase you mm. know like hide and go seek what have you it's fun it's like an adrenaline dump it can be nerve-wracking
0: One of the points where that chase ends up with the bus is also, it's happened a few times, but is a really good example of, I like in this movie how the alien organism, the queen, even when speaking through the others, like this moment, obviously, (laughs) kind of tries to break them down with words first. Yeah, that's a good point. Just like, just fucking join us because this is why it's better. And like, you walked out of that school and that, Fighting couple, we're suddenly getting along, and everyone seems to be having a good time. And don't you just want to be accepted? And exactly, and exactly. I'll suck your dick. That's basically what he was saying with her. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll make sure Jordana Brewster sucks your dick. And Elijah Wood's like, I don't need your help for that. You'll see in the credits, <laughs> yeah,
1: you'll see what's up and what's I'm a not. Maniac,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or we'll
1: refrain. But even that kind of stuff, you can look at it a couple of different ways. It's like if you're looking at it the, at the angle of like conformity versus, you know, an alienation and trying to be an individual, because this is typically the point in a lot of people's lives where you are trying to find your identity. Who are you? Who are you becoming, etc.
0: And in this case, it's like, you know,
1: one of us. Well-
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which once again goes back to the end where everyone's accepted the fact that they don't have to be just one thing
1: exactly you know and so that's why i'm saying this film does a good job of weaving that into this film too on a whole different level that's not just watching the film in the frame mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why kevin williams is successful and bob Rodden, and all these other guys are successful is because they can weave that shit and not make it be the focal point it's just it's a clever way of introducing it in, in a film especially in this time
0: period dude when stan comes back infected that was good all right. That's one of those good moments where your heart sort of drops out for a second because you're like, mother Like, I got a gotta, question.
1: I got a gotta. question. Same Damn. thing. Time period, all right? I don't know if it was done intentionally or once again, if I'm reading too far into it, but because of the time period it came in, I wondered if this was like his Mark Wahlberg moment in the movie Fear when he is at like the door mm. saying, let me the fuck in. You know, okay. to the parents of uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, right? Who happened to be the uh Will Graham and Manhunter.
0: Oh yeah, right. Um, I can't remember his, his name? fucking name. You know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking CSI guy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But That's my point. Is like,
1: man, that felt like that moment in fear. Okay. I I wouldn't have
0: thought of that originally, but that's because I've seen Fear all of like one time. Yeah,
1: it's like I haven't seen it a lot, but that's one scene I do remember standing out in that particular film.
0: Okay. Maybe
1: it's a coincidence, maybe not, but
0: I still was like, it fits
1: fits in, man. This is 90s, you know? I love it.
0: And Uh, I could see Williamson or Rodriguez making that sort of reference. Because it is
1: geared towards this audience as well. That film's, you know, more dramatic and a little bit heavier, but it still kind of makes sense, you know? All right. The reason why it made me feel like I was watching a little bit of the relic had to do with the bleacher scenes with okay. Elijah Wood. That and <laughs> when he's running out of the locker room.
0: Oh, right. When he with the end- lockers kind of exploding, I was like, that maybe. <laughs> That's a little relic Yeah. Big creature. What did you think of the design?
1: Like I said, not bad. Yeah. I thought it was pretty decent, man. It made me wonder how much some of hp lovecraft who was an influence on some of the creature design that's
0: kind of what i was going to get at i feel like often lovecraftian creatures in print at least are described as at least a little bit messier than that if that makes sense like a little bit like i don't know maybe oozier or something yeah and a little bit more scaled at times as well But that looked a lot like what you would describe a fucking Lovecraft creature as.
1: Even maybe a little bit of the funky Jensen, her Mm -hmm. character fucking scooting off
0: (laughs) with the tentacles and all that shit. I mean, that was straight fucking thing, which is... Well, yeah, of course. But that's Lovecraft, like...
1: Yeah, hello. Hello.
0: (laughs) To an extent.
1: Yeah, so what? I mean, that's an influence. It certainly Mm -hmm. certainly is. But all of that stuff, that's what I'm saying. These guys, did their homework... They're taking all of their background knowledge and influences in film and putting it in a nice package, a 90s package with a lot of familiar faces. And whether it was the kids in the film or the adults, you recognized a lot of them. Maybe What's not good? at the time, but yeah. Now.
0: Uh, I kind of thought it was a little bit ballsy for them to just be like, yeah, we're just going to just straight up show her fucking transformation. to this fucking crazy thing
1: yeah like just
0: that would have been an easy one to do a cutaway and come back yeah
1: but no they went for it i wasn't disappointed that was pretty cool like whoa okay that's pretty dope
0: yeah i wish when the creature was in the water chasing them across the pool that it didn't just look like something being towed on a chain like there's (laughs) no motion behind it yeah But I liked that they were obviously using a practical thing right there, too. That they were towing to get that true effect rather than trying to use 90s water effects. Yeah, that's what
1: I'm saying. I'm okay with that. I even like when uh, Clay Duvall, like, when she gets dragged into the pool,
0: you know, her Mm. face
1: slaps. Like, whoa, that's kind of bad. (laughs) You know? But that's the moment you know that she's probably got infected right then and there.
0: Because otherwise she's not waking up from that.
1: No fucking way, dude. That was like have to, lights out.
0: The getting infected right there was a lifesaver for her because of the it really was abilities.
1: She was probably like, whoop, that's it. Yeah, so there you go. Like I said, there's all these little things that are done that, upon first view, is easy to miss all this shit. Like I said, we get the luxury most times to watch it at least twice.
0: The fucking hair coming off is nasty. There's one thing in this, though, that kind of makes me squirm a little bit when I see it. Mm -hmm. Just because I can't imagine how it feels, but it must feel just fucking terrible. And at the very end, when Elijah fucking gives it to her in the fucking eyeball. Oh, yeah. When she fucking spits the parasites out and they're just drilling into like the sides of his face and shit
1: fuck that i know that seemed like pretty fucking gruesome like that would suck balls
0: what i did know and then them
1: even coming out of you were like
0: what the fuck was that like oh seriously about that fucking just seems like that's body horror yeah that's good body horror right there because you're just like oh fuck that would hurt like fuck you don't drill into my face that's
1: that's a rational fear man (laughs) i think for anybody i don't want that
0: i don't want that at all What's funny, though, is that, like, it cuts back and forth between him and the creature, like, three times. It was just, like, one shot from two different cameras that they just reshow yeah. from two different angles the same three seconds, like, two times.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I noticed that. I was like, <laughs> did they just do a fucking Odessa step sequence on his face while he's fighting this creature? They yeah. absolutely—that's exactly <laughs> what the editing is. If you pay attention, like— yeah. The wiggles on the creatures the exact same, like, the second time they show it as it was the first time. And, like, it starts to fall out in, like, the same timing and shit. Yeah, that's pretty cool,
1: man. <laughs> Some clever shit. I read and I saw where Elijah Wood has, I guess for this film's sake, maybe the most quotable line where you know, he jabs her and he says, guaranteed to jack you up. up. Yeah. I was like, okay,
0: that's all right. Callback to the beginning of the The, flick. There's,
1: I would say there's several callbacks to other lines in this film too. And all of that stuff makes sense. Like always wanted to do that.
0: That was good. You know, stuff like
1: that. So clever stuff. You can read into it. Like I said, a, a social commentary on teenagers going through the high school, you know, experience. And some of this stuff is true. It holds weight regardless of the generational stuff going on, you know. There's these archetypes almost in every school, you know. So uh, I think they did a clever job of letting you know, like, yeah, you can be all these things. You don't have to be one thing.
0: I mean, that's this latest season of Big Mouth. That's part of Missy's storyline. That's awesome. I don't have to be just this one thing. I'm all of these things.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're self-aware at that young of an age, to you know, know that about yourself, you're going to have a, a hell of a lot better time. <laughs> you know, even though it's going to be frustrating, it's still be better because you know, on the outside or on the other side, you're a lot more well equipped, you know, to go in and out of all these different groups and cliques and what have mm-hmm. you, you know, and not be out of place.
0: That and something this movie touches on a little bit, I don't think it gets into as deeply, but it hits it a couple different times, is just the eventual understanding that everyone has their own problems especially exactly. high school it's so easy to get lost in your own shit
1: no doubt about it
0: like elijah Wood to fucking stan what what's it he's saying like it must be so fucking tough to be you or something like yeah, that no he's fucking like, idea he did and he's right he's right he uh, has his own pressures and shit on him there's Things even that a, people won't let him do for a lot
1: of people it's just like like a in the moment kind of quote or line i should say is um jordana brewster too i think she says something to the effect like i try to tell my mom but she's a drunk
0: yeah and then you find out her dad's also been dead for since she was little. There you go.
1: Josh Hardin's parents are always gone. You know he's kind of a they're rich as kid.
0: fuck, but they don't give a fuck about their kid.
1: right? So all these kids have some stuff that you we don't see, see. How
0: Shooter McGavin is?
1: Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny. You won't <laughs> no be more
0: flogging your bishop. Flogging
1: the bishop. Oh my gosh. I was like, that is who. It's the mom that tells him he's like underneath the mattress. <laughs> I'm sure you noticed, man. That's pretty obvious. But if not another funny thing about that scene is when Elijah Wood does like the 90's thing he's like alright I'm a computer geek on top of it I'm gonna jump out my window <laughs> fuck you dad he sees the teachers but when then his dad comes back out there he's got that boobs magazine <laughs> that's what I'm getting at there's some clever I shit I that that. that's fucking it's great it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah but that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about in this film it's like if you get the luxury of watching it more than once you'll start picking little stuff out. And it's, it's good. It makes the film fun. Like, so even catching the background actors and characters, I'm like, damn, the whole time, John Abraham's...
0: Well, like, you can actually slapped. follow that, the fighting couple, the dude gets infected first because he stops fighting back. You can tell, he's just, like,
1: he's just staring blankly. It's creepy, but it's also kind of funny. hmm Yeah, but you're right. He's the first one in that couple to be infected, for sure. I dig this movie. Fine. It's good. Sometimes it does help to, like talk it out and there's things about this film that's really fucking good man really good
0: we haven't picked next week have we no i (laughs) I just think i was like no we haven't (laughs) we'll get with it one day one day (laughs) someday somehow (laughs) gonna make it all right but not right now (laughs) exactly (laughs) we'll be okay so we're gonna figure that out I think I'm done talking about the faculty because we've talked about it for almost as long as the movie actually is now. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, one last thing. Yeah, what do you got? Surprise the shit out of me. <laughs> we've already mentioned it. But damn, I did not
1: expect Creed to be in the soundtrack on this film. But it wasn't bad at all. Huh? I will say that much.
0: First off, early Creed is already better than later Creed.
1: Oh, no, 100% Agreed.
0: And as far as Creed goes, the worst thing about Creed is Scott Stapp, and the music's actually pretty fucking good. Mark yeah. Mani's an incredible guitar player. I would
1: say, instrumentally, they are tight as fuck.
0: Go listen to some Alter Bridge to hear him really get to shred.
1: There you go, dude. So yeah, I said, no discredit to the whole...
0: <laughs> I think I've shown it to you before. I have a Creed guitar pick. Yeah, that's pretty cool, one, man. Because I went and saw Alter Bridge's first nationwide ah, tour. dude, nice. And Mark was still getting through Creed picks. Because it was, you know, only like a year after being done with Creed yeah. and his first tour since, you know, leaving them. That's awesome. So, yeah, I ended up with a Creed guitar pick, even <laughs> though I went and saw fucking Alter Bridge. It, makes it, it makes it even better for me, there in you my go. opinion. Through Proxy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. They did a couple good covers. Because they also did a cover of Riders on the Storm. Scott Stapp's voice <laughs> is actually really good for that fucking song.
1: Because it sucks that he's a douchey dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sucks that... I've heard that he's gotten better like extremely recently. Well, good. Like he's I mean, finally good. went and good, good. gotten some help for some of his shit and stuff. But
1: like, I'm not going to knock a person for trying to, you know, do better for themselves. But, you know, we all have our moments. Some are longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, but I'm just, also
0: not 100% sure that that's actually true. Well, maybe I'm just hoping it's true. Well, here's the hoping, right? <laughs> it is a new year, new you. We're going to figure out what we're doing next week. Until then, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny